All right, if you've got your Bibles, we've been in the study of the book of Hebrews. He, and today we are in Hebrews 13. So if you've got your Bibles, you got it, uh, or maybe you have the Bible app on your phone or an iPad, if you turn there with me, that would be great. If you've not been with us, the, the theme, the major theme of the book of Hebrews is the supremacy and superiority of Christ in all things, especially as it relates to uh, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Law. And so for those who have come to faith in Christ to press on, to, to don't drift, don't fall away, don't, don't turn your back on all that you have in Jesus. And the author has been, uh, has taken these things from the Old Testament and the prophecies that you find in the Psalms and back in the, in, in the prophets and has woven this beautiful masterpiece Piece, almost like this tapestry of, uh, of these incredible themes of who Jesus is, why he is so <coughs> far superior. And then you get to chapter 13, and really it changes. And now it's, it's almost the word I've been using, because I can't think of a better one. If you got one, let me know. But it's almost like this staccato. It, it's just really simple ways of how now you live this out as you press on so he starts in the early part of the chapter of you know loving the brethren loving the stranger loving the prisoner being faithful in your marriage being content with everything that you have of um, of falling in submission under leadership and then if you weren't with us last weekend, the wonderful passage in, in chapter 10 to 14 where he, he basically summarizes the book again of just reminding us that we today in Jesus have an altar of which the priest and the high priest himself has no right to partake. It, because the altar, basically, it's a sacrifice. It is Jesus himself. And so his, I, his point is, so let us go outside the camp. Just like Jesus was crucified outside Jerusalem, let us go out, bear his reproach, bear his shame. Yes, if we have to take persecution, it's okay. Because it's going to be worth it all for we're seeking that city. Right? It's going to be there. And now... In the midst of all of this, he, he comes in verses 15 and 16 and actually says something that I think is a little interesting. Through him, speaking of Christ, speaking of Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Now, on the one hand, he has been talking about how the, the law is passed. We're under the new covenant. And yet he comes back and says, now you need to offer sacrifices. And yet, can just a regular, ordinary person who is Jewish offer sacrifices? No. No. Under Old Testament law, it was only the priest who could offer sacrifice, right? Yes? Are you all awake today? What? I'm, 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 I'm struggling. Am I, have I mishit something here? Under the Old Testament law, 
only the Levitical priests. So you had to be of the tribe of Levi and, and actually even kind of in an age range, you were the only one. So for instance, if you're having a celebration, they didn't have Thanksgiving, let's say Hanukkah, you got the family over, you can't just go into the backyard, make a altar and sacrifice to God. You had to be a Levitical priest. And by the way, they could only do it at the place originally that was the tabernacle and then ultimately the temple that was the only place that's why there's no sacrifice today did you know that the reason they don't sacrifice today is because they don't have the site on the temple mount and what's interesting is the man who will be high priest has already said that the moment that they get access to do that, they don't even have to have the temple. They just had that because there was one place. So why is it now that he says you need to offer sacrifices? Well, this ties in to the, the heart of, of what he's been talking about. And to me, one of the cardinal doctrines of our faith that surprisingly a number of christians don't understand and that is as a believer in jesus you today literally are a priest of god you are a believer priest why well let's go back let's think through his argument jesus came as the new high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you weren't with us, we covered all this back in chapter 7. You can find it on our website, the app, YouTube. It's there. So, Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi, correct? He came from the tribe of Judah. And yet, the author is making this argument that he is our new high priest. Why? Well, because there was a priest way back before there was a law. When Abraham, before he even had Isaac, Abraham went to battle, and when he came back victorious, he met a man by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was unique because he was both a king, the king of Salem, Jerusalem, that's what it was going to become known as, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And so Abraham meets him, Melchizedek blesses Abraham, right? The greater blesses the lesser, and yet Abraham is like the greatest. But Melchizedek blessed him, and Abraham gave him, gave him a tithe. And what the, what the author has argued is then you look in the Messianic Psalms, and what you see is that the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to be a priest, not after the Levitical order, but after Melchizedek. So Psalm 110, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So his whole argument is, Jesus now has come as a greater high priest because it's not under the law it's actually with a new covenant the new covenant of jeremiah 31 and oh by the way it is not only a new covenant and a better covenant but it's a better tabernacle you remember it's not the tabernacle here on earth but literally it's the one in heaven and oh by the way he doesn't come with the blood of the old covenant the blood of bulls and goats he comes with better blood it's his own blood with which he has provided eternal redemption Jesus is far greater. And his point in all of this is simply this. Since you and I are in Jesus, who is the great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, the one that is forever, 
because you and I belong to him, you and I are fellow priests of the Most High God. That's part of our identity in Christ. Peter talked about this. You go to 1 Peter, and he says this, And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones. By the way, what made us living stones? Well, we're united with Christ, who is the living stone. So since we're united with him, we have become these living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy, what? Priesthood. To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You, as a believer in Jesus today, if you know him, you are a priest of the Most High God. Did you know that? He comes back later in verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But you are, by the way, royal priesthood? Again, not, not in Israel. The priests were the tribe of Levi. The royal family was out of the tribe of Judah. But Jesus is not of a Levitical priesthood. He's of the order of Melchizedek. Oh, by the way, he's both king and the high priest. Guess what? We are a royal priesthood because we belong to Jesus. As I've mentioned, uh, January, January, whatever you would do, don't, don't miss it. In fact, invite your friends. Because that, that's January, right? Uh, New Year's resolutions, getting off to a good start. Time for people to come back to church, right? Or be invited to church. So you invite them. We're going to do this little series. Hopefully it'll grab their attention. It's called, What in the World's Next? The Bible talks about prophecy. What's coming down the line? That's what we're going to talk about. That's actually going to lead us into February, our next book study, because we are going to finish Hebrews here. In a couple weeks, we're going to do the book of Revelation. And when you get to Revelation chapter 5, you're introduced to this, it's called the seven sealed book. It's really more of a scroll. And if you understand it, really, it's the, it's the microcosm of all of human history is found in this scroll. Everything that you and I forfeited when Adam sinned in the garden is contained in this scroll. And then everything that it would take to get it back. You remember, he took the scroll when there was no one worthy to open it. And he begins to weep. And then finally an angel says, don't weep, one has been found. And he looks and he sees a lamb as it had been slain. It's Jesus. He's the one who's worthy to open it. And in the midst of all that, the 24 elders fall down and they begin to cry out, worthy, worthy, you know, you alone are worthy. By your blood you have redeemed. Now, in the midst of all this, this is what it says. For you have made them through your blood. That's the context to be a kingdom and priests to our God. That's who we are. And they will what? Reign. We're going to reign with Jesus. So you see the royal priesthood. Do you understand today if you know Jesus, you are a priest of the most high God. That is who you are. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've not come to faith in him, then you're not. 
And as a believer priest, I want to try to mediate you with him, right? He loves you. And he loves you so much, he came and died for you. And he paid the penalty for your sin so that you could know him. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, he'll forgive you and he will make you his child. And oh, by the way, in that moment, you will become a priest of the Most High God. It's part of your identity in Christ. Now, there's a boatload. Like I say, this is kind of a cardinal doctrine. And there's a boatload of ramifications. I just wanted to narrow it down to four for you today. The first one is this, that every believer is a priest. Every single one. If you've come to faith in Christ, you are a priest of the Most High God because you belong to Jesus. Now, that's, we struggle with that. First of all, we have certain packets of Christianity that have priests. You know, and you, you go to them for this, and you go, it, it's almost like this hierarchy. So can I just be really blunt? In Jesus, there are no big shots, and there are no little shots. Every once in a while, I've, I've got some family members who um, grew up in some different traditions, and they'll come and say, well, Steve, you need to pray about this because you've got closer connections, right? You have more pull. And I go, no, I don't. No, I don't. If you know Jesus, you got all the pull you can have, right? That we are believer priest. And that's why it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You belong to Jesus. You are a priest of the Most High God. It's a cool piece. And because of that, you today this very moment have direct access you don't have to go through anybody you're walking along and holy spirit convicts you of something you don't have to go to somebody to confess that to god you just confess it right there if you know john 1 9 if we confess our sin he's faithful and just you don't have to go through anybody for that you you have a need you take it right to him you go right into his presence you're always welcome you are a priest of the most high god that's why you think back earlier in hebrews he said therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need you go you you are a believer priest you have the right to walk into his presence every moment of every day with your needs with your concerns with your confession because you are part of the beloved. Now let me give you a caveat to what I just said. Because it is truth. It is complete truth. But. Scripture also tells us. That we are to bear one another's burdens. And the cool thing is. That as brothers and sisters in Christ. We all our believer priests, and as we're going to see in a minute, that calls us also to mediate God with man. That's one of the things that a priest did. And sometimes, as a, as a child of God, we have a need, and it's a heavy burden. 
And yes, I can take it right to the Lord, and I need to do that. But sometimes I need to bring other people in and let them take it to the Lord too. I need to let them help me bear that burden. I mean, after every service, we have people over here that are willing, they're there to pray with you, to help you bear your burdens with you, right? They're fellow believers, priests, and, and their prayers have no more weight than yours, but they help share that weight with you. And that's a cool thing. I've also known times where Sometimes people struggle with guilt and shame. And they've confessed it and they, they know the truth of God's word, but man, it's just it's hard for them to live. The enemy just got them tied up in their knots. And man, sometimes it's just really refreshing to go to a a fellow believer priest who stands in that role of being the hands and feet of Jesus to you. And we can confess to them what we confess to the Lord and kind of bring things to light and they can speak the truth of God's word that man, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it. He's cast it into the depths of the ocean. It is never to be remembered again. And sometimes it's that, it, it's that person who stands as that believer priest that speaks in those truths into our life. Or, or maybe, again, we're going through that hard time and we know he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, but it kind of feels like he has. And they speak that truth into our life. And we get, they get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to bear one another's burdens. We have complete and total access, ah, but we also have one another, and that's a cool thing. So the privilege is that we're a priest of the Most High God. We have the right to have access at all times, but with it also comes responsibility. What does a priest do? One of the things a priest does is he mediates God to man and man to God. So on the one hand, he brings the sacrifices of others and offers them to God to help bridge that relationship. On the other hand, the priests of the Old Testament took the law of God, and what the priests were supposed to do was explain it. They were supposed to be the ones who, how do you live this out? How, how do you make this work? They mediated between God and man. Well, you and I have that same responsibility. For those who don't know Jesus, we are the ones who kind of are the go-betweens. We're the ones that, by the way, are here to live Jesus with our life. To show the reality of Jesus with our life. To share Jesus with our lips. To bring people to God and God to people. That's part of what we do. We speak truth. We live Jesus. We share the gospel. We kind of call it living on mission. You know why? Because it's part of our identity. It's who we are. We're believer priests. We represent the most high God to, to this world. It's part of our responsibility. Another part of our responsibility is that we offer these spiritual sacrifices. And that's what he's talking about. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of of the lips that give thanks to his name. So the first thing he talks about here is a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now on the one hand, one of the things you got to under know is we don't have a physical altar, right? Blood sacrifices are over. So if you're raising lambs, they don't need to be nervous about this, right? 
It's a spiritual sacrifice. If you remember when we looked at that verse in 1 Peter, is exactly what he says. Your living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's what it is. It's, it's not a physical sacrifice. It's a spiritual sacrifice. And, and yet it's just as honoring, it's just as pleasing, it's, it's just as blessing to the Lord as a physical sacrifice. And the first thing that he mentions here is this idea of praise, the, the fruit of our lips. And you go back to the Old Testament, and what you understand is that there was a whole section of the Levitical priests that really didn't get involved with, with the, you know, the, the, the sacrifices that were made on the altar. They were there as the ones to sing. They were there the ones to provide the music, to blow the trumpets, to, to praise the, the Lord. I mean, the whole book of Psalms is about the praises of our God, the, many of them written by the priest and sung by the priest. You get to uh, Psalm 145, 146, through the end, of, they all start, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That was part of the job of the Levitical priest. And part of our job is to praise him. He, he talks and uses the word here to give thanks to his name. The idea is as part of how we bless the Lord as a believer priest, how we honor the Lord is to bring those words of affirmation, of, of, of thanksgiving, of, of gratitude. And they can be spoken and they can be sung. It's interesting, historically, when Christians burst on the scene, they became known as the singers. It was something that was somewhat rare. But because of the joy that God puts in our heart and the fact that we as priests are going to bless him. It's interesting to me when you get to the book of Revelation, it keeps saying they sang a new song. They, keep, keep, they sang a new song. Part of how we bring sacrifice to the Lord is through the words that we say and the words that we sing. You know, sometimes it's fun. Uh, we'll have somebody new, and I don't know if they're trying to get in good with me or not, but we'll be talking and say, you know, I don't, I don't know why we, you know, sing much. We wish we could preach more. You know, you could preach more on a Sunday, and it's like, yeah, right. For every one of you, there's three that think the opposite, right? That's the way it works. But the reality is, is that we all have a responsibility as believer priests and that's what we're trying to do in fact sometimes people say well why do you turn the lights lower well because we're trying to focus on him the, the praise of our lips why do we sing the songs and not do some others that they play on the radio well because these are the songs that we think point to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and it focuses on, on him you know, sometimes we get, well, why is it so loud? Well, one of the reasons it's so loud, we want people to be able to sing without being concerned if their neighbor's being bothered by them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's part of it. And then sometimes you'll notice the instrument drop out because we want to hear one another with our voice. Why? Because as priests, we are ministering to our God. We are singing his praises. And notice that he says continually, continually 
Now, what does he mean by continually? He mean once a week at 9.30 on Sunday morning? Does he mean once a day? Kind of got the idea that, no, this, as a priest of the Most High God, this needs to be a regular rhythm of my life that as I enter his presence, I enter it with praise. Remember Psalm 100? I think it, I think it's what my mom, my first psalm she taught me when I was a little guy. But it says, enter his courts with praise. Come in with thanksgiving. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Give praise to his name. That, that's what we are to do. And, and God sees that as a sacrifice. He, he accepts it as something that is pleasing to him. Now here's the thing. It's about the heart, right? Not just the words. That's why we don't, you know, we don't memorize prayers. We don't memorize things and just say them over and over and kind of rote thing because it's not just the words, it's the heart that comes behind that. And with that, I think a sacrifice of praise that we have to understand, it often comes out of what I like to call the tears of faith. It, it's gratitude, it's thanksgiving when the, when the present reality doesn't match it. You know what I'm talking about? We're going through life, and life throws us that curveball. And we're going through that season where it seems like God has maybe abandoned us, and yet we, we look in his word and we see that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. And even though we feel all alone, we try to stand in that truth that we aren't, and, and so we give praise to his name, even though it may not be the exact thing that I'm feeling in this moment or, or, or that, you know, life seems to be unraveling and yet his word says he's working everything to my good and yet I don't know how this could ever be for my good, but I'm trusting him. You know, we sing that song, I will praise him on the mountain or I'll praise him when the mountain's in my way. I honestly think that the sacrifice of praise that we when we have to do it through the tears of faith because I'm not experiencing it at this moment but I know that he is good and I know that he is faithful to his word and so I praise him that he will bring me through this is often the praise and the sacrifices of praise to bring him the most blessing and honor I mean was that not the case of Job Job who lost everything and had no idea why and had no idea that he ultimately God was going to make it all back to him and in the middle of it he just simply says this though he slay me yet I will hope in him you talk about a sacrifice of praise something that honors and blesses God but that's the privilege and the responsibility that we have as believers in Christ. Then the next thing he mentions is verse 16, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with what such sacrifices God is pleased. 
So what he's talking about here is then not only just the things that we say and the words that we sing, right? That's part of our responsibility, but it's how we live, how we go about this life. The idea of good works. Where does good works fit into it, right? It has nothing to do with our salvation. But our good works now, being the hands and feet of Jesus, is actually that sacrifice of praise and honoring the Lord, and God sees it as such. When you and I live on mission, when we're the hands and feet to one another, when we care for one another, when we bear one another's burdens, when we serve him, Jesus accepts it, the Father accepts it, it's literally a sacrifice, a service. Ephesians chapter 5 put it like this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. What does that look like? Well, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. And oh, by the way, that is an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The picture there is an offering of incense that's taken and thrown onto the fire. And the, the, the beauty of that smell explodes into the room to the very nostrils of God that he is pleased when you and I serve him. When we're the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, we talk about connecting with others, and part of that is, is that we get to serve one another. Now, I was thinking about how I'm sure everybody had a tough week this week, and for some, they've been gone away, and for others, a lot of family, and yet, you know, Sunday came, and yet they had responsibility to come and teach kids, or rock babies, or greet in the, there, or run the, the, the flags for the parking. And it probably wasn't a plus it was cold this morning 37 when i walked in this place this morning but they came and they did it and they're doing it and they may not even be thinking about it but that that is a sacrifice that is pleasing to god when we serve him and then he talks about giving sharing being generous giving is another way it's when we give of our resource when we give of how god has blessed us to the work of the lord sacrifice god accepts it i don't think you know i uh probably like a lot of you i've set mine up it hits every saturday night every week i wake up to an email you know, thank you for your gift from Desert Springs. I was like, cool. I forget about it often. When we used to pass the buckets, we used to talk a lot about how it's part of our giving, it's part of our sacrifice of praise. But literally, it is what it is, what he just said. In fact, do you remember, remember when Paul was in Rome under house arrest and the church at Philippi sent him a gift? to help him with some of his needs. And he writes back, that's where we get the book of Philippians from. And he says this in chapter four, but I have received everything in full, have an abundance, and I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, oh, by the way, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Folk, you're a believer priest. You have unfettered access into the presence of God. You don't have to go through anyone. You, you get to go and stand before his presence because you are part of the beloved. What an incredible privilege. But with that comes the responsibility. As a priest, 
We're also to mediate people to him. Are we being his hands and feet? And secondly, it's to offer sacrifices. The sacrifices of praise. The sacrifices of service to one another. Of, of being his hands and feet. The sacrifices of giving. It's, it's a part of who we were made to be. It's part of our, in fact, ultimately, if you get back to it, really, the sacrifice that he really wants is just all of me. He wants all of my life. He wants all of your life. That's why we talk about what are we about? Well, engaging with God, that I'm growing in my relationship with him every day. Why? Because I'm a believer priest. And it's connecting with others. Why? Because I got to serve one another because that's part of my sacrifice. And then he's living on mission. I get to mediate people to him. So I get to show Jesus with my life. I get to share Jesus with my lips. So what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Why? Because you're a believer priest. You are a priest of the Most High God. And that holy sacrifice of your life is acceptable to God. And by the way, that is our spiritual service of worship. How we honor the Lord. So let me ask you, are we living in the reality that we are believer priests? That we have unfettered access into the presence of God to bring our knees, our cares, our concerns? And are we bringing our sacrifices? Are we mediating God? That's that's who we are. It's who he made us to be. Mm -hmm.